words from musician, writer, Sting. When you're down and they're counting, when your secrets all found out, when your troubles take to mounting, when the map you have leads you to doubt, when there's no information and the compass turns to nowhere that you know well, let your soul be your pilot. Let your soul guide you, guide you well. When the doctors failed to heal you, when no medicine chest can make you well, when no counsel leads to comfort, when there are no more lies they can tell, no more useless information, and the compass spins, the compass spins between heaven and hell. Let your soul be your pilot. Let your soul guide you, guide you well. Encounter by Rick Maston. It was just that I was very touchy that day. And really that's all that I can say to explain why while walking through the Sears and Roebuck department store, I happened to get into a fist fight with a mannequin. Let your pain be my sorrow. Let your tears be my tears too. Let your courage be my model. That the north you find will be true. When there's no information and the compass turns to nowhere that you know well, let your soul be your pilot. Let your soul guide you. Let your soul guide you. Let your soul guide you upon your way. Am I, am I to understand you correctly? You, you say that the mannequin looked at you funny? <laughs> yeah, yes, officer. I, I know that that might seem strange to you. It, it was something about his his almost wooden smile. <laughs> that and the way that he wouldn't even look me in the eye. I hate that. <laughs> the officer wrote all of this down because this is the thing that officers do. He wrote the responses down verbatim and followed procedure. He looked to his list and asked the next induction interview question. Did, did the mannequin say or do anything to provoke you? <laughs> Reverend Schroeder? No, of course not. And I know what you're thinking. This really is, isn't uh, as crazy as it seems. I realize that mannequins do not do and do not say anything at all. I, I'm not insane. So no, the mannequin did nothing and said nothing to provoke me. 
Calm, calm down, good sir. I don't think you're crazy. Not in the slightest. It's just that a restraining order has been issued. <laughs> and the mannequin that you accosted is pressing charges. <laughs> that which we would doubt can come to life. Meet me, will you? Meet me in the lightness of this moment. Meet me, pray you, in its possibility. Let us together enjoin the rendezvous at victory. What ability is it within us that doubts the power of being present and alive? that becomes so entrenched in life, so bogged down by it, that its lightness and its possibility go unnoticed. What species of doubt can render us to our first best witness of the world, unmoved, displaced, disengaged, or somehow in our knowing, unconvinced? What would it have been like if Gandhi had doubted himself, or or Jesus, or Michelangelo, or Georgia O'Keeffe? What if they had fallen prey to doubt? From the onset, it is important to make a distinction about the concept of doubt, to clarify it, to sharpen it, to strengthen it, to wrest it from the realm of insecurity. Because doubt is not insecurity. Doubt is doubt. Doubt is neither the insecurity within oneself that manifests as doubt for others, nor the doubt within oneself that manifests as insecurity about others. Both of these belong to insecurity and not to doubt. Doubt shows up in both, but really only in code. In truth, it's not really doubt that couples with insecurity. It's disaffection. It is acceptably polite disaffection, but it is disaffection nonetheless. And its pretense engenders a coded conversation. So, um, honey, uh, there's an unopened gallon of milk downstairs in the fridge. It's not fresh, but it's only been in there for three and a half weeks. Gosh, I'd hate to throw it away. Do you think it's still good? And the coded response is, well, I doubt it. The directly decoded translation is not appropriate for pulpits, but, <laughs> but you can imagine However, this is not the truest meaning of doubt. Doubt means neither pretense nor insecurity. I have not attempted to explore these, although both of these would make for a fantastic theological journeying. I have attempted to explore, and only superficially at that, the meaning of the concept of doubt. So let's, let's define. The word doubt is a verb. To doubt is to feel uncertain about something. It is to think that something is unlikely. To doubt is to suspect that something 
is not true or genuine or to suspect that somebody is insincere or untrustworthy. Doubt can also function as a noun. Doubt is a feeling or a state of uncertainty. This is a profound and profoundly healthy theological moment, especially for us. In Faith Without Certainty, Unitarian Universalist minister Paul Razor writes, liberal theology is not for the faint of heart. It points us in a general direction without telling us the specific destination. It refuses to make our commitments for us, but holds us accountable for the commitments that we make. Liberal religion is an eyes-wide-open faith, a faith without certainty. Uncertainty or doubt can be a healthy theological moment. Doubt thou the stars are fire, doubt that the sun doth move. Doubt truth to be a liar, but never doubt I love. Doubt can be a very funny thing. It can bring out the very worst and the very best and the senseless mediocrity in all of us. When it brings out the worst in us, we tend to hurt ourselves and the people that we love. And to be complete, we tend to hurt the people that we do not love as well. When doubt brings out our senseless mediocrity, it's boring and nothing really happens. When it brings out the best in us, we beautify the world. The truth is that Gandhi did doubt himself severely. So did Jesus and Elvis and Martin Luther King and Christina Aguilera and Ronald Reagan and Lassie. (laughs) Maybe not Lassie. Abraham doubted himself when he drew the knife on his own son. Noah doubted himself for 39 days after the deluge. Moses doubted himself at the Red Sea. You know the refrain, don't you? It says, um, Moses stood by the Red Sea shore, smote the water with a two-by-four. Pharaoh's army got drowned Oh, Mary, don't you weep. So in the sound, in the, in the song, it sounds easy, but it's not like Moses had practiced or anything. It's not like he had aced the parting the Red Sea classes in Bible hero school. He doubted himself. He stood before a thing that could not be done and tried anyway. He must have doubted himself. How could it have been otherwise? How is it possible to have personal confidence in a thing that without God simply cannot be done? Oh, there are brave reasons in the world to doubt. Even Georgia O'Keeffe had doubted herself. And when she did, she wrote to us about it. She laid out her work and she reflected I quote, I could see how each painting or drawing had been done according to one teacher or another, 
And I said to myself, I have things in my head that are not like what anyone has taught me. Shapes and ideas so near to me, so natural to my way of being that it hasn't occurred to me to put them down. I decided to start anew. And this, this was both a moment of doubt and a moment of faith. Continuing. I decided to start anew, to strip away what, had, what I had been taught, and to accept as true my own thinking. This was one of the best times in my life. There was no one around to look at what I was doing, no one interested, no one to say anything about it one way or another. I was alone and singularly free, no one to satisfy but myself. I began with charcoal and paper and decided not to use any color until it was impossible for me to do what I wanted to do in black and white. I believe that it was June before I needed the color blue. Blue. What a stunning confirmation of things beyond. Georgia reveals that doubt can make things possible. There is a love that maketh all things new. I met a man who didn't believe in God, or said that he didn't. And as a young minister, or or at least as a new minister, considering the increasing gray, um, I still feel compelled to challenge the godly disbelief. Uh, It's the closest thing that theologians have to a Super Bowl. (laughs) But before I challenged him, I managed to catch sight of myself. I managed to see myself reflected in my own thoughts. I was wanting to create the possibility of spiritual yearning for this man who was already deeply in the process of doubting the existence of God, which itself can be a deeply spiritual process. It's very tricky because to be respectful to the doubting process and to remain present to its spiritual dimension means becoming terribly confused and dangerously close to missing the point. It's not helpful to throw the spiritual dimensions of doubt in someone's face who's in the midst of that kind of questioning. So when I met the man who was doubting and when I had taken control of my own desires, I could be present to his questions and to his doubts. When I did that, I had a terrible realization. His doubts had been triggering my own. So what I I learned is that I must become the captain of my doubt. I need neither rid myself of it nor over-eagerly invest but strike a balance. I must captain over my doubt. Doubt thou the stars are fire. Doubt that the sun doth move. Doubt truth to be a liar, but never doubt I love. This poem was recited by Polonius in Shakespeare's Hamlet. Polonius was an unfortunate kind of man. He was a man who never really mastered himself. Instead, he tried to master his children, and they resented him for it especially Ophelia, who drowned herself in her own broken heart. 
Polonius mastered the wisdom of others, but never his own. He kept a running tally of things that other people believed. Uh, Be thou familiar, but by no means vulgar. Give every man thy ear, but few thy voice. Neither a borrower nor a lender be, and to thine own self be true. Yet, Polonius had not been true enough to himself. He was ruled by the opinions of others. He knew nothing of his own doubt. What a poverty to know nothing of your own doubt. Hamlet, on the other hand, was wealthy. (laughs) He doubted everything around him. And I, I mean everything. He doubted the nature of his father's death. He doubted the implications of his father's death. He doubted the meaning of his mother's wedding far too soon upon the loss of her first husband, the king, his father. He doubted his own sanity. I mean, this guy saw a ghost that looked like his dad that spoke to him at the crack of dawn. You know, that, that's enough to freak you out right there. The ghost spoke and turned the waking world upside down and inside out. Hamlet even doubted the meaning of his own existence. And with the balance force of his own life in his hands, he said, to be or not to be, that's the question. Whether it is nobler in mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them. This poetry belongs to another time. Like humor, poetry has a schedule in the life of the world. No one knows schedules quite like my friend John. I'm sure you know him. He's the one who lives down by the trains. He talks crazy half the time. I used to play cards with him or or chess. Old John Joseph. He was a man with two first names. They left him in the railroad yard when they took away the trains. He's still there. Last I checked, some of you may know better. Maybe you've seen him. As far as I know, he's still working in that old train yard, even though only one run a week comes on ruin down the line, and even though all he has to worry about is time. You know, I'd come by in the evening to hear about where he'd been, and he'd say, he'd say, come on, sit down, kid. Where shall I begin? And he'd start telling me the stories of the glories of his past, but he always saved the story of his Corey for the last. And he'd say, my Corey's coming. No more sad stories coming. My midnight, moonlight, morning glory is coming, aren't you, girl? And like I told you, When she holds you, she enfolds you in her world. Now, I I was quite surprised to find out all the places that he knew, so I asked the townsfolk if his stories were true. And they said, old John was born here, and he's lived here all his life, but he's never had a woman, let alone a wife. And I'm quite sure that you'll find out as you check around that no one named Corey has ever lived in this town. So I chided the old man about the truth that I had learned, and 
He smiled and said, reality is only just a word. And he said, my Corey's coming. Now, everybody doubted the old man. Old men can be very easy to doubt. Old men aren't perfect, but the path they travel often is. I had been interested in learning about that path, the path of lightness and the path of possibility, so I I set out looking for old John Joseph, and sometimes I'd find him and sometimes I wouldn't, depending on the trains. I came by one morning and I I brought Bruglers and salmon spread, and we ate, and then he up and fell asleep on me. I waited up for two and a half hours before waking him. And I said, you know, I come here to learn about the path of lightness and possibility. He said, you know, shut up, kid. You sound like a Californian. (laughs) I I laughed because I'm really from New Jersey. But I I went to seminary in California. (laughs) So I left and I figured I'd catch up with him later. And I waited a day or so and then... I came by one evening, but he he didn't hear my shout. So I I looked in the window, and I saw that his fire was out. And when he didn't wake up, I forced in the door, and I saw that old John Joseph would tell stories no more. The scene at at the graveyard, just three of us were there, me and the gravedigger. We heard the parson's prayer. He said, we need not grieve for this man because we know that God cares. And then they put the cold dirt over him. And they left me on my own. And when at last I looked up, I saw that I was not alone. So I said, if you're a relative, he had a peaceful end. And that's when she said, my name is Corey. You can say I'm just a friend. Corey's coming. No more sad stories coming. So that's the old man's story. I'm glad you came tonight. You see this busted-down old railroad yard sure makes a lonely sight. You may wonder why a young man would work out here alone. It seems the job pays enough to keep some flesh on my bones. And I confess, I get to missing the old man a bit. And there's one other reason I guess I should admit. My Corey's coming. No more sad stories coming. My midnight, moonlight, morning glory is coming, aren't you, girl? And like he told me, When she holds me, she enfolds me in her world. That's a story song by a guy named Harry Chapin. I share it here because it's a good way to talk about doubt. Everybody doubted old John Joseph. But by the end, one finds the truth in what he said. That which we had doubted came to life. You want to know a secret? I'm really asking. Okay, uh, Corey doesn't really exist. Uh, Not everyone believes this, but it's true. Um, It's kind of a rough truth, but she doesn't exist. Well, We'll strike that. She doesn't exist externally. Uh, This is our pretense. This is the better way of storytelling. Corey 
is us. Corey is the very best part of us. She is lightness. She is possibility. If she is not this, then it's really not worth having her around. I mean, she's never present. She's invisible. She's almost fictitious. Love is what we do, not where we aim our great affection. In this sense, Corey exists only when she lives in us. When we think that she's out there, we chase a ghost. Corey is the dearest part of ourselves. When we lose touch with her, we fall down, and the lesser angels take to counting. All our shelters, all our sheltered secrets are revealed. We are seen and we are seen through. We are all exposed and all found out. All our troubles take to mounting, and the maps that we have lead us to doubt. Let your soul be your pilot. When the doctors fail to heal you, when no medicine chest can make you well, when no counsel leads to comfort, when there are no more lies that you can tell, let your soul be your pilot. Let your pain be my sorrow. Let your tears be my tears too. Let your courage be my model that the north you find will be true. When there's no information and the compass turns to nowhere that you know well, let your soul be your pilot. Let your soul guide you upon your way. Am I to understand you correctly when you say that you got into a fist fight with a mannequin? Impossible, you say. Maybe. But that which we would doubt can come to life. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Spirit of life. Spirit of our knowing and of our unknowing. That which can be named and that which is beyond naming, that which rises from the arroyos and the ravines, that which sits upon the hill and behind the clouds, speak to us. Bring us bravest witness of the world. Keep afresh before us the moments of our high resolve and remind us to honor our doubt, to cherish our doubt, resting in the knowledge that there is a love that is holding me, that there is a love that is holding us, and that there is a love holding everything that we know. Blessed be. And amen.